one of those things that stood the test of time. And when I got down to it, I was like, okay, I can be intentional with that. Um, and uh, one of the, to get into it, um, I, I want to go to like the first instances of scripture where this crops up. Uh, and we'll just kind of start building from there. So to get there, we're going to have to go to the kosher laws. And if you think that's a weird statement, just bear with me. Um, I Something the Lord I've kind of been doing for a while is marinating in the symbols in Scripture, because he communicates a lot by symbol. And if we're not careful with the symbols and we don't stop and really get what they mean, we kind of, you get spiritual weirdness. And then you try to make that work, and it doesn't. Anybody ever try to make a symbol work badly in their in their faith? I get some has few people will raise the hand to that one, but you get the quiet. Yeah, there's, so like there's a place to do this and really like take the time to study it. Um, the I I look at a lot of the stuff in the law, uh, and like the kosher laws in particular. They look really kind of burdensome. Like eat this, don't eat that. And the Lord looks at like most of the animals which he made and called good and says, they're unclean to you, don't eat them. Like, does that not strike anyone as a little bit odd? Um, and then what gets weirder still, like you could go, okay, so I can accept that they're not clean and I could, I could envision not eating them. And it wouldn't have been that burdensome for the Jewish people because they were a whole state doing it together. They weren't going to raise pork, it wasn't clean. So they weren't going to be tempted with pork. They would keep clean stuff around, and so most of their food would be that way. It was only going to be annoying if they went to neighboring nations, which they had their own inheritance. They shouldn't have to do very often. Um, I think part of the reason God did some of the unusual laws, th there were two reasons. One was to make them different from their nations around them, so that if the nations around them wanted to deal with them, they would be confronted with God's people live a little differently. And they might be propelled to then ask, why do you do this? Because then you get a discussion about the Lord that the Jewish people didn't even have to create. It's like free evangelism opportunities. Um, that, that's, that's part of it. The other part of it, though, is I think they were meant to be instructive. They were meant to communicate principles. Well, if you look at the animals, Jesus... When he was alive walking around teaching, he was preparing people for a new covenant. But the new covenant didn't start until he died. While he was under the old covenant teaching Jewish people, he told them, it's not what you put in you that makes you unclean, it's what you let come out of you. It's the unrighteous acts and unrighteous words. That makes a person unclean, not the food. And the, and the actual author that was writing this down, I forget which of the Gospels it's in, says, you know, and in that moment, he proclaimed all things clean, like all, all the animals. So even while still under the Old Covenant, the unclean animals that were unclean to the Israelites weren't unclean in and of themselves. Does this seem really interesting and odd? And it's one of those, that makes you think for a minute. Therefore, the lesson God wanted to communicate and force the Israelite people to wrap their lives around is a critical one. That, that's what I draw from that. Because I don't think he did it just to be burdensome. 
you know, Jesus is like, you know, take my yoke upon you. I'm, I'm meek and I'm lowly and I'm gentle. It's not hard. The yoke I give you is, is fit for you. It's light. It's easy. It's not supposed to be difficult. And we look at the laws and we're like, man, this would be a pain. No, I, he was going for something that was worth the trouble. Like God doesn't just burden his people and be like, here, do the work. Like that's, that is not the God we serve. Our God hates slavery. He broke his people out of slavery. He breaks us out of the slavery to sin and death. He doesn't then turn around to make us slaves. Now, religion will do that, and we'll do it to ourselves sometimes. Okay, kind of getting off topic a little. So here's the lesson. If you look, and I, I had to do some reading, and a lot of Jewish authors will dig into this because they're kind of stuck with it, so they might as well analyze it, which implies to me that some people actually got the message. Um, there, there's a symbolism around food in Scripture, and we've picked up a little of this. Um, the idea is if you take something into you, you partake of its nature. This is why Jesus was like, I am the bread of life. Um, and in John 6, he outright offends a lot of people by saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood. What he was saying is, take my nature into you. Be like me. Receive from me. Um, when the devil was tempting him, one of the instances, he's in the desert, he's been fasting for a while, he's looking around at all the rocks that I'm guessing are kind of bread-shaped, and the devil's like, you got the power? Breadify those things. <laughs> Jesus responds. He quotes Deuteronomy, but he responds and he says, anybody know the quote? Yeah, you know this one. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's like the devil's talking about physical food, and Jesus is like, yeah, but spiritual truth is also food. There's there is an equating here. We follow on the symbol so far. The nature of a thing, the truth of a thing, when you take it in, it's just like eating. Physical eating, spiritual eating. We, we sometimes talk about this with messages, but it's worth us to stop and just kind of take the truth in and marinate for a sec. Okay, second's over. If you go to the kosher animals, they all have descriptors. And I don't know, I don't understand, I haven't taken apart most of them, but the four-legged ones, they have two qualities. That they have a split hoof. The King James says, that divideth the hoof. <laughs> Go translators. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, it, and the other phrase is that, if you want to quote the King James, that cheweth the cud. <laughs> it's just kind of a funny thing. And I, I went for a long, I finally got, I, I'm going to focus on the chew the cud thing, but I finally got annoyed because I've known this for a while, but I haven't like looked up like, what was the hoof all about? Um, the only consensus I've been able to find, because I try to take it in a lot of different directions, is that with the split hoof, it means they have an, an interesting way that they interact with the ground, which is a symbol for like the world we live in. They don't just deal with the world like every other animal does. They have a different sort of walk. Um, that's just an aside. The, the one I really want to get into, though, is the choose the cud. 
This is an odd way to eat. How many know what this looks like? I've got a few hands. Okay, for those that don't, this, this is going to just be totally appetizing. I apologize in advance. <laughs> um, and those that know what chupacate is are, are like, no, it's not. Um, here's what they do. So a sheep, who's one of those animals that divideth the hoof and cheweth the cud, it gets hungry, it goes out into a nice field, and it'll like pick a bite out of the ground, grab the, grab the grass, and start chewing. Whatever it is that sheep do, I'm not a good sheep impersonator. <laughs> and they'll chew it for a little while, and they'll swallow it. Like everything else does. And it'll sit in the stomach, and... They, they break it down some of the mouth. There's this active eating quality and this active digesting and breaking down things. And then it goes into the stomach and it sits there passively for a while and the juices go to work on it. And they'll extract some nutrients out of it and break it down a little bit further. And the sheep will go on and do some other things. And a little while later, they'll go, you know, I could chew that thing some more. And so it'll cough it back up into its mouth and start chewing on it some more. <laughs> I'm all for, like, enjoying a meal again, but not like that. <laughs> but this is what it does. And so it will go back from this passive digesting to active eating on the same meal. And it'll extract some more nutrients and do some more breaking down, and then it'll swallow it down again, possibly into a different stomach and let it sit there and marinate for a while. And then it'll pull it back up an hour or minute or whatever later. I don't know what the timing is on this, and it may be different for all the cud-chewing animals. And they'll chew on it some more, and they'll go back and forth until that thing is powder, or until it is like every bit of possible nutrition has been extracted out of that grass or clover or whatever plant that thing is munching on. That is the way we're called to take in God's nature. That's the way we're called to take in his truth. Sorry about a show of hands, if you've ever had this happen. God gives you a prophetic word and you're like, and maybe someone else hands it to you or you just hear something from the Lord or whatever, but it's like, you know it's true and you really don't know what to do with it. So you chew on it for a while and you're like, yeah. I don't really know what to do with that. You move on to other things. And six months later, you look up and you go, I completely misunderstood what he was getting at as it comes true and you're like walking it out, having to deal with either the shock of, I really wish I'd understood that when I was going through it, or the misfortune of, I really missed it. Because like, that would have been nice to have understood, not just emotionally, but like I might have made different decisions. If I, have anybody been through some of that? before um, the uh, that's what happens when we don't chew it completely this is what the chewing the cud looks like God gives us a word we chew on it we question it we ask questions we we mess with it for a while and we get to the hmm we put our questions before the Lord and we have our conversations with him and we take our issues to him and all that kind of stuff and then we swallow it we just we accept that he's spoken, we take it in, we just let it be, 
And then in life, we may pull more out of it because our spirit knows and our life knows and the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth and it's good like that. But then if we have the parts that aren't fully digested, those things where we still have the question marks, the right response at that point is to bring it back up and start asking again and chew on it some more and start the question process all over again if you have to. You may have fewer questions, you may have a couple questions that got answered, but you'll probably have more that come up. And you take them and you chew them and you ask and you seek and you knock. And it could just be totally internal. It's the thinking and the pondering that happens. And then we get to where we can't take it much further and we put it back down again. And we keep bringing it up. I had an instance at uh, I'll share this story because it's a really funny one of these um, because it's kind of ridiculous. But there was a place where we served. It will sound familiar to you two. Um, the church that we all served at where we met, Travis and Karis and Wendy and I did, um, they had started a fundraiser when they were there. You guys started the Luau fundraiser, right? You didn't start it? Okay. So somewhere before we came in, it had been done, and this one couple, like they, they did in the fundraiser, they would be like a drawing. And, and they, what, the way they did it, it was really cute. They would put numbers on the bottom of ducks, so little rubber duckies, and they put them in a pool, and you could like, it was just a cute fundraiser as part of an overall evening of fundraising. And it was like, I think it was like $5 and you get a, a raffle ticket and your duck is the ticket and it's got a number on the bottom. And, uh, and, and the, the grand prize, if you won it, was like worth $100. And it was a nice little prize for you know, a cute little youth group fundraiser. And uh, it was one of the leaders in the church that won it, which is really kind of embarrassing if you're putting on a thing and like, it's kind of like, you, you can see where it looks kind of like, did you plan that? Like, you're already taking our money, you know? I was like, it does not look good. And, and this had happened, I think, while well, you guys are still there. It happened the first time. Yeah. And I wouldn't have noticed it except that when we were there, the first year we were there, we did the same thing over again. We did the whole thing. The same people won, and everyone in the room went, again? like they won the first time I mean, this is bad but wait what <laughs> I'm really like okay I feel like I'm caught holding the bag and I didn't put anything in it um, so that was there okay that was fine so the the second year we were there we did the fundraiser again guess who won for the third time and here's what gets crazy. There are people that would buy like three and four raffle tickets. They only ever bought one. The, the same couple together bought one ticket. Three years in a row now they've won. It's the fourth year. They didn't come to the thing. They were on vacation somewhere. No, no, no. In their portion of the ministry, their best friend and right-hand man won with one ticket. The year after that, they're back. Oh my 
Guess who wins again? I cannot tell you how embarrassing this fundraiser got to be. I was like, by the last year I was there, I wanted to like find some way to like unjinx it. Like, I I was like, because I drew the name that particular year. We'd had other people draw it, and I deliberately took a bunch of the tickets out and like threw them on the ground to pick another one, and it was theirs. (laughs) And um. And minister, you always have a lot going on, so I didn't get to think about it very deeply at the time, and it was a few months later. Um, the, the guy that had hired both of us, he ultimately retired, and I took over for him for a little while. So I had control of the church's leadership team, and by the last time this happened, I was like, something is wrong. <laughs> like, something's going on here. And I started pondering this. This is that chewing. It only took me four years to get around to it. You know, really quick on the uptake sometimes. Um, and so, and I was like, something is going on here. And I really started thinking about it. If you look at the Old Testament, one of the ways the Lord speaks is by drawing of lots. Like, that's real. You Like, the idea of stra- drawing straws. Samuel, when Saul was being anointed king, you know, first God sent Saul to him on this weird thing chasing donkeys. And Samuel knows that Saul is coming. That's going to be the king. Meets him, t- pronounces it, tells him this, pours the oil over his head, says you're going to be king. A whole bunch of prophetic stuff happens after that. That's all cool. And then before the whole nation, I mean, Samuel had enough authority. He could have just said, that's the guy. And it would have been done. Well, they then went through, all right, the Lord will pick your king now. And they drew lots, and the lot fell to Benjamin, the tribe that Saul was from. And then it went to families, and then it went to like heads of families, and it fell, ultimately it fell to Kish, his father, and then Saul was chosen. And Saul was hiding with the baggage, and it goes on from there. Um, But like, there's a definite history of God choosing and doing things by lots, and here he is like, the same thing over and over again. When I sat down with the leadership team to try to explain this to them, they were like, the duckies? <laughs> I was like, no, does anybody know what this means? No. Um, God is telling us something, and the only reason he's repeating himself is because we're not paying attention. We've been not paying attention for like five years now. I think we need to do something about this. <laughs> and so I asked them, and they all, and they were all like, We'll go home and pray about it. They didn't. Um, not for very long. You know, we get together a month later. I mean, I've been asking him for weeks. I'm getting nowhere. And they're all like, yeah, no, didn't hear a thing. Forgot about it, honestly. And I get it. They're duckies. When God does something in front of you that isn't like... I mean, it's one thing if God like radically alters your life with something he does, you remember that. Or if he does like a stunning miracle that doesn't... Like, you know, you watch a limb regrow, you tend to remember that. Visions that shock out of the sky, you know, drawing duckies out of a pool of, like, well, that doesn't stick. <laughs> I just, I get it, but it doesn't stick. And um, the, the church had some issues. I don't want to go through airing a bunch of dirty laundry. But, and a lot of them, like, I'd been deeply praying and agonizing over after the Lord said, lay it down and leave, which we did, 
Um, we've been living in Ohio. We moved back to Charlotte, which is where we are to this day. Um, it was in the months that followed as we were praying about everything. One day the Lord was like, yeah, the person with the most power to change everything, the one that could have made it or ultimately broke it for you, he didn't even know he had the power. He was the one drawing the duck every time. And I was like, didn't chew on that one enough? Nope, no, I didn't. Because I didn't understand it until after we were done. That was one of those, like, it's funny to hear, but at the same time, it's like, God will speak in even innocuous things if we're paying attention. But there's a, there's a reason, like, slow down and think about it. There's so many things that he speaks and so many things that he does that if we just be like sheep and chew on a thing and come back and then chew on a thing and then let it go and then chew on it some more. Our problem is we didn't get around to the chewing on that one until we, like, <laughs> you know. And I, I wish I, if I had known six months earlier, maybe I could have done something with it that would have been more helpful. Um, the cool part Ultimately, though, and this is where God is really redemptive, it was a number of years later, um, we went back there visiting. Like the Lord was like, you should go back now, kind of thing. And so we did. Um, and there were some really cool circumstances that surrounded that. We got to sit down with the person and give them the word. And for them, it was eye-opening because they had not known how to deal with everything that was going on. Like it was, it became a key for them, uh, this man and his wife, that was like really helpful and redeeming for them. I wish I'd had it for him eight years prior. But I mean, it's, God is cool anyway, is the long and the short of it. But it, um, but the, the way of things, like it's going to sound interesting. Like we, we in America, we're really driven. We do stuff. Um, we do. We're constantly. Like, we're the busiest people, I think, in human history <laughs> by choice. And, um, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes it's less than helpful. But something that's really interesting is, like, God isn't overly impressed by our busyness and by the number of things we can achieve. Um, he's just not. He managed to speak the whole world in, in the universe into existence in what a few phrases. There's there's no number of things that's gonna like impress him. I mean, once you set the bar there, like, I mean, I, I seriously think like everything he did to the Egyptians and like the parting of the Red Sea to him was like a parlor trick. I was like, yeah, check this out. See, <laughs> like, um. They'll think this is really cool. We'll talk about this for generations. <laughs> so easily impressed. Um, but <laughs> just, I sometimes wonder, you know? But, um, but something that's interesting that is literally a deep spiritual activity is thinking and asking questions. Like, we think we have to do a thing. We really don't. Just be. Just be with him. Ask him some questions. Listen. Ask him some more questions. Throw a couple of thoughts out there. See if something sticks. See what comes after that. And then whatever he gives, ponder it. 
I have found in my own life when I'll take a thing and I'll seriously ponder it, like do it just like the sheep do. I'll chew on it for a few hours. I'll pray about it. I'll ask him about it. I'll maybe do some research. Most of it turns into dead ends because um, I'm not as smart as I think I am. And then I'll, I'll just be like, you know what? You know more than I do, Lord, obviously. I'm just going to let this sit for a while. I'll let it sit for a while, and I'll come back to it a few days later, and I'll start over again. And he'll give a little bit of insight. And, and it'll go in, and it'll make, be meaningful, and then I'll do my thing, and then I'll put it aside again. And I'll bring it up again, and I'll put it aside again. The areas where I've done this, I find I have peace. I, I literally find that because it's like you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. Worry is a burden. It's not freedom. The areas where I've done this, I don't have worry. The areas where I have failed to do this, that's where there's worrying. That's where we get caught flat-footed. I don't know. Um, and I have found, this is the interesting thing, like I could, I, I pray a lot for our nation. Just It's just one of those things that's always been on my heart. Um, there, there are things happening in our nation today that I've been praying for for the last 20 years. Um, high gas prices is not one of them. I <laughs> like, a few things that are happening that I also did not ask for. Not, at least, not by this name. Um, but it, it's okay. But I, it's an area where I've really put time. And there's a few instances where the Lord has given me some stuff. I could put all, if I put everything he's ever told me about our nation, like 20 years of praying down on one sheet of, I, could, I would fit it on a sheet of paper easy. It's not a lot of text. Like, there's some people that have, like, a real prophetic gift, and they just, I am, like, eight hours later. <laughs> it's, that's just not how it goes. But it's, the little bit he's given me, I then go, I'm like, that's really interesting. Hmm. And then I start praying about it, and I ask the Lord questions, and I go back and forth, and I watch. I don't like the news. I don't like the news media. I never have. Like, going back a lot longer than 20 years. Um, and it's... But I watch snippets of it. I don't deal with fear from the news. I really don't. I hate the spirit that the news media delivers the news in, but I I don't deal with fear, especially if I can get away from that spirit. But like when I look at the news and I look at the information, and it can look pretty bad, I, I don't deal with fear from that because I have a couple of words, and I've chewed those puppies to death. I know what God spoke. Just a little bit. I know where all this fits in. Therefore, I know where it's going. I don't have like volumes of like, I can give you this real, you know, clear, like it's going to look like excellent. There are people that get that. I don't have that. All I've got is I chewed it up to death. But it works. And I found it works in other areas too. I've mentioned right now there's enough alarming stuff going on that it's a good illustration. And I've noticed it. I've had a couple of friends I've even been able to minister to. Like they're freaking out. I'm like, no, God said this and this. It's done. 
it, the end of the book is we win. You know? it's, I mean, really, I, I re you read the book too, right? You know? it's like Revelation 21, 22, it says we win. Uh, more specifically, it says he wins and we get to take his side. But that's kind of like we win. I'm good with that. Um, <laughs> he said, I'm writing that down. <laughs> but, but it's true in like everything, though. God is not on his, on his throne, wringing his hands, wondering, what am I going to do about this? He's not. He wins. Psalm 2, why do the nations rage? They plot, and they do all their craziness, and they go nuts, and they do... And he sits on his throne, and he laughs. Like, outright laughs at them. Can you picture God on his throne laughing? That's worth chewing on. It's part of that spoiler alert. The, um, th this, is, this is life in heaven. I, if I can give you a thing that will, will grant you some rest, we will spiritually put stuff on ourselves. And be like, I gotta read X number of pages of scripture every day to be a good Christian. I gotta take this many days a month fasting to be a good Christian. I gotta, and it varies from church to church, denomination to denomination, group to group, season to season, person to person. Like, it's, you don't find any of that in scripture. You don't. The only chunk of scripture that God commanded the Israelites to read was the Ten Commandments that has like a full, like, you need to look at this one regularly. And he told them to like write it on their doorposts. So it wouldn't even be hard to, like you'd bump into it all the time you'd read it. Not like you'd have to like crack open a book to find it. Um, but an interesting statement though, is, is if you, Joshua 1.8, this is, it's a good verse to write down. It's one of the few that I memorized chapter, verse, and full quote in the King James. Um, <laughs> says, but in, in, in King James, it comes out almost verbatim as, but let not this book of the law depart from your mouth. Chewing. But meditate on it day and night. Thinking. Scriptural meditation is not you clear your head of thoughts. Scriptural meditation is you actually choose to think about something. Anybody like to think once in a while? Life in God is not meant to be hard and unpleasant. It's yoke as easy as burden is life. Thinking is a spiritual activity. It's actually commanded. Right there. Um, it says, okay, but let not this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, that you'll observe to do according to all that's written in it, and then you'll have good then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. That's the whole quote. Before and after that is God telling Joshua, don't fear, because he's staring at Jericho. Yeah, with the big walls and then the nasty army and the people that don't like him. And if, if you read between the lines, the manna stopped the day before. So he's got no food. And he's got a million people. And until he takes Jericho, he's like confined to a postage stamp. So like they have to win. They have to win now. Like, it was kind of a serious moment. But in the middle of all that, he's like, yeah, ponder the law. 
Think about this. Chew on it. <laughs> I've got sense of humor sometimes. Um, the uh, things that are not overly commanded in Scripture or um, an, an interesting thing, like if you look at the development of how things change through time, Music is not in any of the original commandments. Like we make a big deal about worship with music. And Paul even was like, you know, hymns, songs, spiritual songs, singing this stuff all the time. Like it's, it's a good thing and it was strongly encouraged. But for the first like thousand years of people following God, there's no command or injunction regarding music. In fact, the first people building instruments were the sons of Cain. The bad people. Um, the first instance of music being worshipped that I'm aware of is Miriam and the women celebrating after Pharaoh gets wiped out. You know, the parlor trick ends and Pharaoh's gone. Yep, they were impressed. <laughs> the, there, there is that, and then you don't see it again. The trumpets, which we think of as musical instruments, were for signaling. They weren't to sound pretty. Like we try to use them as instruments. I'm not sure how successful we are. Um, you know, if, you, if you try to play a shofar like for notes, like it's, that's not what it was for. Um, the first time you get music is when you get to David. Like when you really get like connecting music with God as a as a way of life, as a that idea which meant all the righteous people before him were not overly music-focused as we think of it. Like, their idea of worship and walking with the Lord had no achievement in a musical arena attached to it. Now, I'm all for professional musicianship and people being good at with their craft and, and all that kind of stuff, but we've kind of made it like a central religious work. I believe it was meant to be an overflow. We take the one verse David wrote about bring a sacrifice of praise and like we sort of like put that on everyone all the time and I I there are times for that but I don't think it was meant to be prescriptive in every time of trouble and every minute of every day like I don't think it was meant to be a burden. It's meant to be a gift. It, you know, the Israelites, like, this is how much we do this. They did it with the Sabbath. God said to rest, and they turned it into a work. I mean, if you think of just how ridiculous that is, they literally turned the Sabbath into a work. And the Pharisees are like, well, is it lawful to heal someone on the Sabbath? And Jesus is like, are we supposed to do evil things on the Sabbath? Like, Am I missing something here? You know? and, and he heals the guy, of course. And of course, the Pharisees are offended because that looks like work and it doesn't look like rest. I think the guy that got healed is probably going to rest the best sleep of his like ever in his life, personally. But maybe that wasn't what the Pharisees had in mind. I don't, I don't know. Um, but Jesus, his statement of the Sabbath is the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The expression of music, I don't think man was made for the expression as much as it was meant to be one more way, 
we can interact with the Lord and one more way we can catch a piece of his heart and one more way that we can marinate in truth and one more way that we can chew on stuff. But it was meant to be a gift. Um, I, I guess I'm trying to get down to in, in this. I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I'll come back around. Um, is that walking with the Lord was never supposed to be hard. Like thinking is considered a spiritual act. And it's likened to eating. Most of us don't like going too long without food. Amen. And most of us don't like living in confusion, which requires some thinking to sort out. Do you ever find it interesting that like all the, the things that God prioritized for religious observances required like had food attached to them in the Old Testament? Think about it, he had like seven feast days and one day of fasting, just one. And even the sacrifices, if you like pick apart how they went, I don't know if this is true of all of them, but for I believe most of them, um, and someone can slice it a little more specifically, they would, as part of the sacrifice, they'd cut the animal in half. Half the animal would get burned on the altar completely. The other half, we typically stop right there and we go, oh yeah, it was for the priest they would eat it. No, it wasn't. The person that brought the sacrifice was supposed to join the priest, they and their families. They have a meal together and hang out and enjoy eating. And God called that worship. This whole serving God is really difficult. Like <laughs> he's like, eat with me. Jesus brought up the idea of communion. He also lifted it straight out of one of the feasts, Passover. Another opportunity to get together and eat. You know, one of the things that the, the early church that that was a marker of them is you know, they gave themselves to prayer and the apostles' teaching. One, there's a list of like four things there. One of them was they broke bread together. They ate in each other's homes. It's not meant to be really difficult. You know, like we, we have something pretty close to a Jewish feast right now. We've got people that love the Lord together. We've got food. Chick-fil-A, no less. Time. Rest. I, I could dig this as a walking with God kind of thing. Now, here's the catch. And, and this, this is where there's a diff, this is where the labor to enter into his rest comes. We in America, we are achievement driven. We get to the end of the day, if we don't have something to show for it, it's like we want to kick ourselves. How many deal with that? Don't lie, you're in church. No. Okay. <laughs> Um, it's, but like, God is not very achievement driven, not the way we are. Um, so we like want to take control of a thing and make something happen. We don't have something to show for it. Like we have failed somehow. We've wasted the time. Yet God's like, stop and rest, stop and eat. Think on this. Very different to enter into that 
requires faith. If there's really something we have to work at, and again, Paul says, labor to enter into his rest. I, I think this has been an issue for all of time. I think we're unusual in societies in that we almost overwhelmingly glorify the opposite. I mean, but, but the struggle is real, I think, probably everywhere. Um, the, it's an interesting thing about the kingdom. Do you ever, I was pondering this, is that chewing again? The, the nature of the kingdom in general, it's all process oriented. Virtually every parable that Jesus told has an element of time passing. Farmer sows seed and, and gets the harvest immediately, right? No, that's not how that parable goes. Not how any version of that parable goes. And there's a few of them that have farmer sows seed in some fashion or another. Or man lends out money and goes away to a foreign country and returns the next day. No, time passes. The parable of the ten virgins. They, they take oil. The wise ones take more. Time passes. There is, and there's all sorts of different parables. Virtually all of them have this element of like, start some time, there's a gap of time in them. The Lord works on his own timetable. And what Jesus is saying, we're saying that all of those parables start with, you know, and the kingdom is like, 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 and something with time passes. And the kingdom is like, insert something where time passes. And the kingdom is like, insert another story where time passes. The walk with God, if we really walk according to his kingdom, it doesn't create very much instant achievement. It's not meant to be difficult, but it does require patience and perseverance because it doesn't produce instant fruit, which is, again, very opposite our sort of American training. Um, and I think it's great that we can go and we can do things. There's nothing wrong with doing stuff, but we can't, we can't demand the kingdom run by our misconceptions of it. Otherwise, then we end up frustrated. And so then we take our work into how we want to walk with God, and we're like, why am I not patient yet? Why am I still struggling with this? Uh, time. And we don't get to set the times. You still struggling with something you don't want to be struggling with? Time. No, it doesn't. <laughs> time doesn't have much of anything. <laughs> now, you give the time to the Lord, he'll heal all kinds of things. He'll heal wounds you didn't know you had. But, um, but there is a learning to sit back and rest in the time, and rest in the process. That chewing the cud thing, it's all process. It requires a lot of patience. It requires a lot of being willing to say, I don't know. What about tomorrow? I still don't know. I'll give you a funny story of I don't know. 
I, I laugh at this one now. I wasn't laughing at the time. Um, I was in a situation where I had no job. Um, and I, I was like, like really, really struggling. Um, I had a wife. I had a daughter. We were, for a couple of reasons, and this is one of them, we were living with my in-laws. Like, this, this is totally like successful guy in America right here. I detested that season. I cannot describe to you how degrading it felt. Like, I want nothing more than to provide for my family. And to make this a little bit worse, I have two college degrees. I couldn't get interviews. I mean, it was, it was awful. I just, I'll leave it at awful. And so I, I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord for breakthrough and help or wisdom or anything, and I'm getting nothing. Time. And that goes on for a little while, and I finally kind of give up after a bit. I mean, I'm just so discouraged. And then my wife is like, David. <laughs> she basically kicked me, and I deserved it. Um, <laughs> I won't say that for every time I've been kicked, but I probably deserve that one. <laughs> and so I, I got up and I had a time where no one else was in the house. And so I was praying and I was like, all right, Lord, I need an answer. I need some way through. Cause like, we can't continue like this. This is, I hate this one, but like we have to move forward. I'm in the position where I'm supposed to be able to lead and I have no resources and no way to lead with and no wisdom to lead with. Like, totally like hi give me something i got nothing like i mean that's that's the position of what i was in finally the lord speaks so here's what he tells me like my 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 in-laws they were in town they were going to go out of town come back and go out of town again in the space of like a few weeks and what the lord told me is before they get back on the second trip you'll have a job and actually i had a job at the time i was working at a grocery store but i was literally making like 10 cents over minimum wage and it was like just bad. And I couldn't even get full-time hours. They wouldn't give them to me. So there's no benefits or any of that. I'm just a mule. <laughs> just stock and shelves. And it uh and so and he, he tells me this. I was like, okay. And then he begins to describe the job. And he does it by way of contrasting what I currently had. He says it's gonna pay at least X amount, which wasn't it was noticeable more than I was making, but it wasn't like a lot of money. Um, I think it was $10 an hour. And this is like almost 20 years ago. So I mean, $10 was worth more back then. But I mean, it was still, it wasn't like support a family. And I think I was making, I, I don't know, it wasn't much. But it, um, not compared to what the needs were. And um, oh yeah, and she'd been in a car accident. She couldn't work. She couldn't walk around the block without pain. So, I mean, it was like one income or bust. Like that's where we were. Um, and so, but he was like, it'll pay at least this much. And he gave me a number. And he started telling me the difference in the nature of the work. But it was totally by way of difference. It wasn't like, this is what you're going to be doing. And I went, okay. And I took that all to heart and was very encouraged. And he said, I, and by the way, I will bring it to you. Quit looking. And I went, all right, 
because what I'm doing is working so well. You know, I can quit working. So I went and told my wife. And she was like, all right. Something is better than nothing. And, and so we were encouraged. Well, like a week later, she asks me, David, are you sure you heard the Lord? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I remember him, I'm pretty sure. Okay. All right. And then like a week after that, David, are you sure you heard the Lord? think I did. So I'm getting more and more distant from this. Finally, like a week from the end of this. So I think the whole process might have been a month. She asks me like one last time and I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure I heard him at all anymore. <laughs> and so then she asks, well, are, are you going to, are you going to work for a job? Let me think about that. No. <laughs> so she asked me, why not? And I said, well, I don't know whether he spoke, but I do know that I spoke to him and I told him I wouldn't look. <laughs> it's not wrong not to vow, but it's very wrong to make a vow and not fulfill it, regardless of what got you there. I went, all right, fine. And she's like, well, what happens if like four weeks pass? And I was like, well, then the time limit's over and yeah, I'll be looking again. But for this little bit of time we have left on this, I'm not looking. So like five or six days pass, everybody's out of town. Even she was out of town for the, the second thing. I don't remember where you guys were, but okay. And um, I'm pacing up and down the house, furious with the Lord and stressed. And I'm like, really? Like, why are we here again? And the phone rings. And I pick up the phone. And this woman, who I'd never heard of, introduces herself and asks for me. And I said, speaking. And she says, well, I'm with, and she quotes the job. She, she quotes the company she's working for and says, are you still interested in the, and she quotes this job. And it's this like pure jargon. I, I didn't even know what she was saying. It was like in English. I was like, uh, can you refresh me on the specifics of this job that I didn't apply for? Didn't tell her that. Um, <laughs> but I did need work. So, and so she begins to explain this to me. Sure enough, it was the exact figure the Lord quoted, which still wasn't a whole lot of money, and it fit precisely the description he had. Time. Even when I didn't believe it, it still worked. That's the nature of his kingdom. It is that reliable. It is not based on our emotions. Like if we go back to the chewing thing, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of I don't understand, keep chewing. Let it digest. Then chew some more. Don't give up. You don't have to understand it. That will come as it comes. Now when he does give you something, anchor yourself to it. Don't, don't be like the the seed thrown on the stony ground that the, the birds can just take. Take it in. When you actually, when you, when you get a place and you're really getting confusion, it's easy to be like, I don't know if I believe it or, you know, don't, don't do that. If, if you know it, know it and don't, don't back down. But that's, that's probably the best trick to get past confusion. But it, um, but the kingdom itself is very, very trustworthy. It works 
whether or not we believe it. It works whether or not our neighbors believe it. It works whether or not our spouses believe it. It works whether or not our children believe it. It is like what it is like regardless. It's an absolute truth, and it's resident on the inside of us whether we like it or not. I happen to be rather happy it's resident on the inside of us, but it's still there. It's kind of making a little bit of sense. Like, one of the things that I've, I've learned with the Lord is like, he's totally about process. Like there is no arrival point with him. Like he'll be like, I have a promise and he'll fulfill the promise, but he's already got like eight other things he's working on by the time that one arrives. I mean, he's just that way. And we don't always know the things that he's working on, but he's working on something. Like he's always doing things. He's always processing and there's ups and there's downs and, and whatever else. Um, something I realized like in terms of the scope of how his kingdom works. His kingdom is like the leaven that leavens the lump of dough. It spreads through the whole thing. That's true in our lives. It's also true in the world. Um, and there's a couple of verses about you know, the glory of the, of the knowledge of God will fill the earth like the waters cover the seas. Like It's meant to have an impact. And we're kind of depressed, I think, as a church in America because we don't feel like we're having much impact. But Step back globally for just a minute. Do you know how societies used to function before the time of Christ? Do you know what value wasn't put on human life, freedom, and liberty back then? Like, Alexander the Great looked at as kind of like a hero. The man was a mass murderer. He took his army and, like, fought the Persians, who now legitimately picked the fight. And then he went and fought a whole bunch of innocent nations and just slaughtered everyone that stood in his way and took them over. Like, that was Alexander the Great's contribution to humanity, and we call him the Great. That was all before Christ. Someone tried that today. Oh, yeah, Putin. Saddam Hussein. Adolf Hitler, we don't look at them as heroes anymore. We have changed as a race. That's the impact of the kingdom, because up until the time of Christ, you know, Jesus is like the greatest of among you will be your servant. That's not how the world works. We actually live in a society where you can serve your way to greatness sometimes. That's unique. That didn't used to happen. Like if you really, if you if you really start, you have to look in the in the in the broad strokes. You can't look in like narrow little things. Then it gets weird because um, it's just ups and downs. But if you look in the really broad strokes, like God is in the business of changing humanity and society and the way it functions. And I'm sure it will have more highs and more lows on the way to where God is taking it. But He ain't done yet. It's one of the reasons I'm not really panicked by the news right now. It's going to have highs and lows. But, spoiler alert, he will, one way or another. He's going to get what he wants out of planet Earth, and we'll all be the better for it. Um, just like he who has begun a good work in you. He'll carry it to completion. It's all process.
and it's easy to participate in. This is what like no religious institution will tell you. I know Travis has this heart, which is wonderful. I can get away with saying this here. There's some churches, if I said this, and they might throw me out. Like, and how are we going to get people to help out with this and this and this and this and this? If you tell them it's easy, like we need them to work harder. Anybody ever been in a church that's done that? Good choice. Good decision. Um, but I mean, seriously though, like I, I would say a, a little bit that you've kind of already come to some of that. Like be encouraged in it. You know, if if a lot of what I'm saying is like really familiar, some of it I'm hoping is new and insightful and gives you more stuff to chew on and another way to look at things and more that you can take apart. But that which isn't, be encouraged. Um, I really believe kind of what the Lord is doing here. This is a bit of a pioneering kind of thing. Um, like Wendy and I, we don't know many people that are processing the world at all like this, where there's a, just want to go after the Lord, strip some of the mess away. Like, what's real? And relationships good, God good. All the other stuff can be good, but not if it's not submitted to him. It's just stuff. And it's distracting, annoying stuff. Um, to any degree that you've done that, I, I tell you, it's like, it's a little bit like Elijah. Like, it can feel like no one else relates to me. Um, but I... I I guess maybe the way to put it is a little bit like God talking to Elijah when Elijah's like, I'm the only one. He's like, no, I got another 7,000 prophets, no less, that are reserved. Um, I actually have Jezebel paying for their food every day. The, um, I don't think he told Elijah that part of it, but if you go read the whole story, Obadiah is working for Jezebel, funneling money, like extorting money off a wicked queen to feed God's people. I love it. I love it. Jehovah's sneaky. <laughs> um, I think Lance Wall now coined that term. <laughs> but uh, um, but uh, it's, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. But, um, but like, it's not, it, it's, it's rare at the moment, but I believe this is what God is doing. And, and if you feel like you're the only ones, it's because you're some of the first. That's okay, too. Um, but I would say don't be... If there's anything I, I can give you, is don't be burdened unduly. Just don't be. And don't let anyone put burdens on you. Um, the kingdom of God, there's a lot to it. It's really, though, it's really simple. He's the king and we follow him. I mean, it's, it's simple. The walking it out isn't always simple, but the premise of it is... Um, and, and let him define if there's a burden to carry let him define it anything else it's just stuff you're not obligated to take it and hold it around just live in the kingdom and if people are like I demand results well good luck with that you don't owe them an answer and if the voice inside your head says I demand results you don't owe that voice an answer either Sometimes that's the loudest one.
It's knotted heads. I, I deal with it too. It's okay. And, um, but I, for this weekend, I learned to rest and learned that even in resting, it's a spiritual act and good gets done and God moves. Am, am I drifting? And Okay. The, um, I'm really... I have to be like very conscious of this thing. Some people are naturals with mics. I will kind of do it. <laughs> and then most soundmen respond by turning the mic up, and then the poor audience gets blasted when I finally realize what's going on. Um, but uh, but no, just be at ease and be at rest. Um, we have a set music-wise. I'm gonna have kind of let the rest of it play out. If you're so inclined to sit and soak or stand in worship or whatever, you're welcome to stay and do that. Um, I, I might suggest, and I hand this as a suggestion, not a command, ask the Lord for what are some of the things that he's given you to ponder? It, it's a good time in a retreat to kind of do the reflecting like that. That like you can write them down and just to call them back to mind from time to time. And that you can easily do the American thing and turn it into a driving force in your life, and that's not, I don't want to encourage that. But I would say, like, this is a good time to do a little reflecting and take a few minutes and ask him, like, what's the stuff he's given you? What's this, what are the verses that you feel drawn to and you don't know why? What are the issues in your life that you don't know what to do about? You've been praying about them for years, and you're not sure, you're like, ready to give up on them, like... Good question. Good times to ask fresh questions. Um, what are the what's a word he's given you that's not come to pass yet, and you you don't know what to do about it? What um, what's the stuff he's been trying to teach you, but you still don't feel like getting? Um, and it's it could be almost anything. Um, but if there's any of that, like make a mental note. Take some time, maybe tonight. Take some time tomorrow. Talk to the Lord about it. Um, and then off and on, talk to the Lord about it. it. It's an act of faith to put it away. It's an act of faith to pull it back out again. Putting it away says, he's still God. I don't have to know right now. Pulling it back out again says, he's God, he cares. He's going to respond to me. They're both an act of faith. Um, and then let his kingdom go to work. But I, I take some time, make list, and then beyond that, if you want to stay in worship, you can worship. If you want to stay and pray, you can pray. Um, if you have kids to put to bed, and you want to put them to bed, go put them to bed, and you can come back. You can go. If you want to go chat with people, the only thing I would ask is that if you want to have like conversations with people, take those outside. Like let the space be kind of a quiet. Uh, it doesn't have to be quiet, but kind of focused space. Um, if you really want to go talk to someone, don't drag them out of here kicking and screaming, but go talk to someone. I mean, it's like, be free. I don't, I don't want to put on you, thou shalt look spiritual. It's the other corporate America thing, thou shalt look busy. The, um, that's, that's not God. We don't need that here. So I'm going to pray real quick, and then I'll let it go, and then you guys are just dismissed whenever, however, Get rest, refresh, recharge.
Um, hang out and have fun. So, Father, we thank you. Again, I thank you for your kingdom, and I thank you for your ease, and I thank you for your rest. And, Lord, there are assignments and there are doings, and that's okay. But, Lord, we have a covenant of rest with you. And, Lord, I ask that you would more and more teach us how to be at rest with you, at rest with ourselves, at rest with our life, at rest with the issues of life. Um, to know when to get up and to put forth effort and push. But when, we're, when it's not time to do that, to truly be able to just rest and receive. Lord, I ask that you would encourage us in our ponderings and that you would encourage us in our questions and that you would encourage us in our, our pursuit. Um, and Lord, that you would, you would help us to be people that are more kingdom-focused than achievement-focused. That, that know what you're about and, and can rest at the opportunity. And because we rest, we have the energy when we need it to do. Um, I ask that you'd be with us tonight and cover us. And Lord, as part of rest, I ask that you would grant us all really good sleep tonight. Because you say you give sweet sleep to your beloved. And I, I'm asking for that blessing tonight because we'll all be in strange beds. And I'd just be with us, Father, and cover us in our time together and the camp and the property. And Lord, I even ask that for our hosts here that you would grant them rest and that you would you would let this be an easy time for them too. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have a thing? My wife has a thing. Talk about those people that like you know, I'll sit for eight hours and like, one more word. She sits for eight seconds and fills a page. So, and it is typically. You need to sing a scripture. Okay. She's also a music teacher and a musician herself. So, what are you looking for? I'm pretty sure that's in a gospel somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds kind of so not a nice I'll join the bandwagon. It sounds like a Sermon on the Mount thing. Yes, thank you very much. This guy. The stand is like. Okay. Mm. okay, we'll go fix that. Um, do you, or do you want this guy? No, I think I have that one. Okay. okay. It's always fun to be spontaneous. Um, as we were sitting there and as, as he was praying, I just um, I just felt like Holy Spirit just um, said, "Sing, sing this scripture over you." And so we're just going to be spontaneous, but it's Matthew 7, and um, the word is, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So we'll just come up with something.
Thank you for the cross that you have carried. Thank you for your blood. 